Here are several fine young men who I'm sure are gonna go far. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ramones. Ah, these minstrels will soothe my jangled nerves. I'd just like to say this gig sucks. Hey, up your Springfield. One, two, three, four. You old bastard. Hey, I think they liked us. Have the VHS cold killed. Oh, sir, those aren't. Do as I say. I don't wanna watch it. There's no TV. There's nothing on the radio to inspire me. I said, I'm the world. I gotta, I gotta break free. So important. I'm a little bit of sugar, a little bit of candy. That's what Zoom says. You gotta pay attention to it. That doesn't really sound like something was huh? Well, that's something Brook Candy says. I'm gonna be drunk as a skunk. Drunk as a skunk. That's illegal. You're gonna weaken your immune system and get corona. Yeah, but I don't go anywhere. Oh. It's all, the only way I'll get it is if Court gets in it from her weekly excursion to the grocery store. Or from her weekly excursion to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's, that's the funny thing. She's there by herself. That's so weird. Yeah. She only sees someone when she gets there because she they, they like trade off. It's fucking weird. I don't get it. Well, welcome to the VHS cult. I'm Kyle. I'm Sean. I'm, I mean, Joey Ramon. We watched oh, yeah. we watched the thing. Um, this episode might be a weird one because I've been feeling very emotional. <laughs> well, he doesn't. Why don't you we talk about when we play World of Warcraft instead of when, uh, when we're? Uh, oh, because uh, I don't want to burden Ryan with the. Uh, uh, he's not paying. He doesn't pay attention <laughs> to you, anyways. Oh uh, no, it's just uh, you know, like when you wake up from a dream and you feel like you lost something. I feel like that hey. all the time now. Actually, I guess I feel like uh, my that's feels life. like I can I gotta be honest with you. That's adulthood for me. Like that's how I felt. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I feel like my entire life I've been searching for something or someone, and I'm exhausted from it. The other night, like not last time, but the night before, I like remembered the smell of, or I smelled. Or I remember the smell of like the first time I had sex with my girlfriends, like the sweat and like her perfume and. Stuff like that, and it created like this weird feedback loop where I thought I was smelling it, but I wasn't. But I was just remembering it, and it's making me remembering it, and I was getting like all overwhelmed from it. So I decided to just cry for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this uh, this quarantine's not really doing much. For, it's not doing uh, wonders for your mental health. I don't know. I think it's um, separate from the quarantine. This yeah. just kind of happens to me like every other month yeah. or so. I'll just be like, you know, it's fucking over. There's nothing. What's going on? I'm just barely hanging on. So what I've done to try to fix it is I guess I've turned the corner on my media consumption. So instead of watching like murder stuff, now I'm only watching like cute stuff about love and triumphs of the human spirit. (laughs) I'm watching a bunch of old Korean romance movies from the 90s. Kind of. It has been mostly Japanese stuff. 
So obviously, the Studio Ghibli movies, they have the right blend oh, of yeah. like. Well, some childhood. of those Studio Ghiblis do. Well, they have the right blend of like. I'm not going like full like wimp watching bad movies or anything. Studio Ghibli and Japanese movies have the like the right blend. I think of like melancholy with also um, positivity. So Studio Ghibli, watching the old Taika movies, stuff like that. But there's two Japanese movies I want to highlight, and uh, they're both really pretty good. First one is called Godzilla. First one's called 37 Seconds, written and directed by Hikari. I'm going to watch all of her other movies, too, because she seems like she's a pretty dope director. Also, that's another thing about Japanese film. It's gotten a lot better in the last decade now that they're letting women direct films, (laughs) as you might imagine. Um, but this movie is about uh, it's weird it's, how like when no, new voices yeah, are, are allowed to speak it's crazy <laughs> uh, it's about um, a girl's cerebral palsy uh, she's got a very loving but overbearing wait Kyle, I gotta stop you before you get too far into this the important question is is, is it available in dub uh, it's on Netflix so probably oh, really? I was being trying to be a sarcastic asshole well, I mean, oh, no. Hulu, Parasite's on Hulu, and it's in, it's only subtitles, so maybe Netflix only. Is yeah, like, but Hulu read, learn to read, you little bitches. Hulu's like taking like a specific like marketing stance against like using dubs for it, where they're trying to be like Hulu respects the artist, blah blah blah, and it's like shut up, stupid corporation. But um, Netflix don't give. Can't a fuck. just take a win when you when you get it, can you? <laughs> no, nah, I don't give a fuck about Hulu champion anything. <laughs> Hulu well, I'm not talking about them champion it, but <laughs> I'm hoping they do. I need some money. <laughs> yeah, Hulu sponsors. Yeah, but on Netflix, I don't think they care. I think they pretty much dub everything. But, oh wait, uh, no, wait, aren't those uh, Godzilla animes only available in subtitle? No, oh, there's definitely a dub for it. Is there? I think you might be Netflix right. Maybe you're right. I, think, I think Jamie started to watch one. They're really weird. Yeah, they're not very good because they like we got to save the entire budget for when Godzilla shows up. For so everything else is just close ups of mouths moving. You know that yeah, old like, anime it's trick. Just like a live action Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she got loving, overbearing mother. She's technically a successful um, mangaka, manga artist, but her cousin, who's ridiculously cute and uh, clout chasing, is taking all the credit for the manga. So she says, fuck that, I'm going to start drawing hentai. And then she goes to um, present some of her work to a hentai studio, and the boss of the hentai place, she's like, you know, the sex just doesn't seem real. You haven't had sex. You need to get some life experience. And then that sets her on her way to you know, just a journey of self-discovery, sexuality, individuality, and it's great. It's just a good movie. My only problem with it is and it works perfectly within the confines of the film to be the impetus for her to go on the journey. But from my experience with hentai, um, I don't know if having... Any of it like, seems realistic, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if having real sexual experience is helpful <laughs> is for hentai. Because it's all about like giant demon dicks and huge like, milking breasts. Yeah, you know on, it's, it's, honestly, it really seems like... A, it, 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 it just, it, most of it's male-driven. Yeah. yeah, well, there's and, a push now to have um, uh, adult content that appeals to women, too. Especially in Japan, where everyone is um, sexually frustrated. But, yeah, it's still like, uh, I don't know about all that. I think you just use your imagination. <laughs> a lot of it just seems to come from, like, sexual frustration. I guess. I mean, you could say that about a lot of erotic art, I guess. Well, that's, I mean, I would say that about a lot of erotic art. Erotic art. I don't know. I'm sure it comes from different places for different artists. I'm not trying to talk shit about anti. It's not bad or anything. It's just, I don't know. It seems to be more in the realm of imagination than it is realistic sexual relationships. Well, that's true. Again, that's true of like almost all erotica. Yeah, that's true. 
Very true. Not um, the obviously uh, not Fifty Shades of Grey. That was very realistic. Oh right. Obviously not um the current trend in uh Western pornography where it's you. Everyone has sex with their step siblings. That's very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, the, other, the other Japanese movie I want to highlight is, this is uh, Hirokazu Kurita, who is a well-known Japanese director. His most recent movie, Shoplifters, got like a lot of acclaim when it came out last year. And it's a pretty good, happy movie too, but it has a devastating ending. So it doesn't quite fit the criteria of what I'm into right now. But this other film is called Our Little Sister. What it is, is three really close Japanese sisters find out their strange father died. He also happened to have another daughter, so now they have a fourth sister. They all decide to live together. All they're doing is like hanging out, eating good food, sleeping in comfy beds, learning about falling in and out of love with boys, loving each other and stuff. That's it. There's like no conflict or anything. It's just about love. It's amazing. So it's Japanese little woman. Yeah, it fucking rules. <laughs> it's the best. There's like fireworks and like I don't know. It's great. They like harvesting plums to make some crazy like plum wine, and <laughs> I don't know. It just rules. I just want to go live in Japan. Maybe that's. Well, I hate to tell you this, but it's not exactly. It's how not all sunshine and roses, huh? Yeah, no, not all cherry blossoms and sunshine. And, yeah, you know, but whimsical. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm into like whimsical romantic stuff right now. Like, I'm just just barely hanging on. <laughs> It's, it's all I got, and then you know, just trying to find like comedy to watch and stuff. And uh, luckily, this week you also watched Rock and Roll High School, which is a very low stakes movie and also just kind of makes you feel good, even though it's stupid as hell. <laughs> it is really dumb. There's like, it's almost there's like there's almost something there, but mm, no. It's 1980. Welcome to Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School. The I am Miss Togar, and I am the new principal of this school. <coughs> and who are you? I'm Riff Randall, rock and roller. The only girl I ever dream about at night is Riff. I've done more in pensions than anyone in the school's history. Are you virgin? Oh. How about a cheerleader? Nice set of pom-poms. Term wanted Riff. But Riff wanted to live a rock and roll fantasy to the music of her favorite group. The hottest band this side of the Iron Curtain, the Ramones! You have managed to upset the entire school with this godforsaken noise. Things sure have changed since we got kicked out of high school. Hey, come on, you guys! Follow me into the school! They tried to stop their music, but the kids got wrecked and rocked the school. Could your school be next? 
I was thinking, uh, I recently reported by Joe Bob Briggs. Um, he's let everyone know that John Waters is doing great, and he's been doing a lot of acid in quarantine. And I was like, maybe I should do that. <laughs> Where are you going to get it? From John Waters. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's distributing that shit. You know, from my understanding, it's actually really hard to get acid these days. Like, real legitimate acid. It's not. I can get you acid, no problem. No problemo. I don't the I don't know. I can it's I don't know how you test the quality of acid. You know how you can like test pills for like um, right, right. when it comes to molly and shit. Well, that's, that's the thing like, from what I understand a lot of the stuff is being passed off as acid is not actually acid a lot of the time. I don't know. I've never it's had another any, psychotropic. I've never had any problems with any acid I've had where it was obviously a different substance, but that's completely different when it comes to molly or pills or stuff like that where it's clearly cut with meth and stuff. That's happened several times, but with acid, it's always been like, yeah, it's pretty much acid, I think. But who knows? Maybe I've also done PCP and I don't know it. There's been some pretty dark acid trips. Not There's dark, a- but pretty wild ones. <laughs> There's a character named after PCP in this. Um, oh, Angel Dust, yeah. <laughs> with their groupie. <laughs> so what's Rock and Roll High School all about? It's a Ramon it's about fanatic. Didi Ramon trying to score tricks. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about what Dee was up to doing the I film did, of this. You know what's funny? I was thinking about it. Like, there's two bands that, for some reason, I know a lot of shit about, and it's the Ramones and the Beatles. The Ramones are fucking interesting. The Beatles are interesting too, but in like, I don't know, they got their shit together too quick. <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, I feel like they hid their shit way better than. Well, yeah, I guess that's part of it too. The the Ramones, like their attitude and their music, kind of incorporated them being like. It was a lie that they were like tough street guys, but Dee Dee was a junkie at least. <laughs> I heard they were all brothers. Did you know that? Could you imagine being the only mm. sister in the Ramones? Yeah, she says that like a sexual fantasy too, which is that's totally in <laughs> that line with yeah, today's pornography. Uh, Ramones fanatic and delinquent Riff Randall battle. Riff Randall battles it out with the strict new principal of Vince Lombardi High School, Miss Togar, with help from the Ramones and Clint Howard and <laughs> Eagle Bauer. Uh, why is it called Vince? Vince Lombardi is like a football dude, right? Yep. Because you know, I it's, guess it's, it's all American up shit. The, yeah, the American yeah. naming their schools are their dumb shit. Yeah, that's that makes sense. So it's this kinda, is like, like there's like a John Waters feel to this movie. We kind of oh yeah, absolutely yeah. We, uh, John Waters absolutely could have directed this movie. It would have been a little bit grosser, but and a little bit better. Yeah, if, fuck, I'd love to see a John Waters like. Ramones hey, there's a spiritual sequel. Uh, now there's like, a out there. Called there's a, Rockaway Beach. Well, there's a direct sequel to this movie. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What is there? Yeah, you're, 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 you're gonna love to hear about it. <laughs> uh, this is the twilight of the Ramones' career. Unfortunately, um, it's only '79, like I said, so it's only been about four years that the Ramones existed. But they are in the process of recording "End of the Century" with Phil Spector right Ooh, now. Yeah, it's going. It goes well. Well, that ends up being their highest charting album of all time, but still doesn't sell very well. And then after that, the Ramones kind of give up and go, well, I guess we'll tour forever. And now it's just kind of a job. They kind of give up on ever being mainstream successful or anything like that, which is kind of like a pipe dream anyways, and not very punk rock to care about. That's the thing about the Ramones is they were so punk rock, so ahead of the punk rock curve that they're not even really punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you'll notice in the film, there is no Tommy Ramone, but they have Marky Ramone, Mark Bell on the drums. Mark Bell is from Richard Hell and the Voidoids, which is another early punk band. And uh, he looks like Johnny Ramone. They look exactly the same. 
this film was directed by Alan Arkush. Uh, he had directed a bunch of Ramones music videos around the same time. And since this, he's basically just directed every TV show ever. <laughs> he's a lot of orders out there. Yeah, did you? Uh, there's also a sneaky little uh, credit for a Mr. Joe Dante as director. Would you like to learn more? Uh, I mean, yeah, why not? I'm here. All right. On the last day of shooting, Alan Arkish was hospitalized for exhaustion. He was partying too hard with the Ramones, most likely. Mm, PCP. And Joe Dante was tapped to direct the remaining scenes, which were the scenes in the gym where PJ Soul sings her version of Rock and Roll High School, the long take in the bathroom, and the scene involving the telephone booth. That explains the weird ass take for Rock and Roll High School where she sings it. Well, she had to, the um, version of Rock and Roll High School that she sings, it had to be become a different version because she was unable to sing the original version. Because, oh. I mean, like, Joey Ramone is not necessarily known as an amazing vocalist. He is a but, surprisingly good vocalist. Huh? Yeah, he's, he's kind of hard to copy. Uh, this is the only ever production where director Joe Dante is billed as a writer. And Dante and Arkush, the director, they're friends. Was he the one that's like, yeah, let, let's just have him randomly break down into like a gym routine, a gymnastics routine, okay? Now, you, the person who's responsible for most of the uh, gags or and the, the camp in the movie is one Mr. Roger Corman. Yeah, well, I saw that name on the time. Oh, yeah. The time. Yeah, this is a Roger Corman production. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can't tell because there's not that many tits in it. Well, the, he, this is a very specifically a teen exploitation movie, like which they used to make in the sixties and seventies quite. Yeah, a bit. but they usually throw a couple boobs in there for that. Yeah, but at this point with the MPAA, they weren't oh. able to do it and still get like a general audience rating, mm-hmm. so they had to keep it. Uh, yeah, Meatballs era is over. Yeah, uh, Roger Corman was looking to produce a modern teen film similar to the ones he had made in his early career during the sixties, with the focus on current music of the time. We're going to make Blue Hawaii, but with Joey Ramone. (laughs) The Ramones uh, were not the first choice. We'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Uh, The notoriously cheap Roger Corman, also a publicity genius, invited music journalists to work as extras in return for getting to be on the set and interview the principal actors. So he's got like a little revenue stream going. (laughs) Roger Corman is like a true hustler, man. He's got hustle He's out there wheeling and dealing. Yeah, he should have been president. Um, and then with regards to that, there's an inside joke in the film and how he's notoriously stingy. Uh, the beginning of the movie, the, the, the opening, there's like birds in the background, right? That are chirping. They're actually birds going cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> so that's fun. We got them. Who's in this movie besides the Ramones? Well, we got PJ Souls, who's Riff Randall. Famously, she's also in Carrie as a teenager and Halloween as a teenager. But by the time of making this film, she is 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, no one really looks the right age in this movie. Correct. She's a babe, though. I like her. She's got that. Um, I like. I think it's a really good look. You can see like your ribs and your breastplate from the front. Like, she's <laughs> so thin. I'm actually like into that. I think that's a pretty dynamic look. Uh, the one thing I gotta say is like she, uh, no rhythm at all. Like oh, she's be bopping like, along to nothing. Yeah, she's like, like seems to be like super white girl. Like, she can't sing her own song, can't really dance or anything, but, you know. <laughs> I'm maybe yeah. brings her own jar of mayonnaise when she goes to the baseball games, what I'm saying. Yeah, she seems fun. The only scene, it seems like she's never wearing a bra except for the scene where she's just in her bra and panties. So, I think that's cool, too. She, I like her energy. <laughs> is that her choice, though, or is that a war decision? 
Uh, well, check this out. She actually purchased her own wardrobe, wardrobe because the film's budget was so low that they could not afford decent clothes for her. So oh my it was god, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, she spent her entire salary, which is only $2,100. Less than we're going to get from the government, god damn it. <laughs> or more actually, than you're not, not going to get that much. More than we're going to get from the government, I mean. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I got three um, kids, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect off their asses. Oh, right. I thought you... Oh, is it every American citizen? Yeah, well, it's twelve hundred per adult, and then if you have kids, you get five hundred each. Oh, I should have been having some kids. That's what I'm saying. You, you, you should have been busy in quarantine. But, Look, I have. I'm already married. I got one wife. I can't do it. But you can. You can spread far and wide. I can. What's PJ Souls up to? <laughs> I don't. You know, I gotta be honest. She might be past her baby making age. I don't want to be like a rude oh, dude, but seventy nine. You know, that's just the reality. Of it. I guess she's probably pretty old now. That was that was forty years ago, dude. Yeah. Oh, she's like 70 now huh time flies you know <laughs> uh the red satin jacket she wore was 300 dollars from fred siegel according to souls rod stewart was at the store and wanted to buy the jacket but she had claimed it before him oh what a dick you know rod stewart's also isn't he he has that urban legend about his stomach getting pumped for having too much cum in it Oh, that yeah. Rod I forgot about that. Is That's that Rod, Rod Stewart? I think it's Rod Stewart, right? I think it's Rod Stewart. We're going to say it is. Yeah, if not, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just basically, I like that one because it's like... It's such um, a weird rumor. Well, I like it because it's, you know, it's like those like fucking loser um, shaggy-haired chumps who think Led Zeppelin's the greatest band of all time in 1981. And like, oh, Rod Stewart's so gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's absolutely where it comes from. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you fucking listen to fucking Hobbit music, you dummy. <laughs> yeah. It's um, good Hobbit music though. I don't know. Oh, nah. here comes Gollum. Oh, I don't oh. like I don't like Led Zeppelin at all. Um There's like two songs. Yeah, the Ramones exist specifically because Led Zeppelin was that's a fair. bunch of that's English true. bastards masturbating on stage. Uh, PJ Souls had never heard the Ramones before being cast in the film, and she was given their music to listen to. She admits she didn't like it initially, but after her enjoyment of working with them, she became a big fan of theirs. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> See, that's, the, is, that's the problem with the Ramones. They just had to meet everybody in, in the world, and everyone would become fans. My thing is the Ramones were absolutely the most like mainstream, marketable, possible punk band that could have came out of the early punk scene. I have no idea how they did not actually fucking take off because all their songs are just fucking pop songs yeah i mean it is really like they're just playing a very like hard-nosed version of, like 50s rock and roll yeah they're no they're just doing like wall of sound phil specter shit but like oh we're tough you know what i mean <laughs> and they even have little uniforms like the beatles when they first started yeah, no, you no, know no, what i mean I, they're absolutely i mean punk, i mean a lot of punk bands kind of have like that same like you know what i mean there's a uniform when you're in a punk band uh, yeah, I guess kind of. I mean, the Sex Pistols were obviously marketed by Malcolm McLaren, and then a lot of early English punk bands just kind of copied the Sex Pistols. But the Sex Pistols were copying Johnny Thunders from Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, previously of the New York Dolls. He did that all on his own. So the punk look actually is organic. It's not um, completely privatized. It wasn't a, a corporate idealization of what the punk was going to be. It's basically everyone copied Johnny Thunders. <laughs> So to me, it's like, well, at least it's organic. <laughs> and then the Ramones didn't even, they didn't even copy Johnny Thunders. They did have their own specific look where they just kind of looked like greasers. And yeah, then, yeah, um, they're just playing, like, it really just felt like it was playing up a lot of the 50s shit. 
Yeah, because well, I mean, uh, that's what Joey Ramone is into. He's into like go girl, girl, right, girl yeah. groups, doo-wop, Motown, and shit like that. And then uh, Dee Dee liked punk. The other guys and, and rap, whatever. <laughs> King Dee Dee, <Didi. laughs> yeah, he short-lived rap career. King Dee Dee. I understood what they were saying. I couldn't do it, but I understood it. <laughs> yeah, and he calls them all Negroes. So. <laughs> we'll I love to- those colored sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to like how kind of weird the uh, Ramones are at the end. Oh my, they're so fucking weird. Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. So, despite playing high school student, PJ Souls was 28 when the movie was filmed. 29 when it came out, and she's actually older than all the Ramones except for Johnny Ramone. <laughs> But that's movies, you know what I mean? Like, that's movie magic for it. Yeah. Who else in the movie? Clint Howard playing Eagle Bauer. Clint 20, Howard rules. 22. Uh, what's crazy about Clint Howard, though, is because of his hairline, it's basically like there's this adult man who lives <laughs> in the boys' uh, bathroom <laughs> at the high school. <laughs> that's so... A little bit strange there. And then uh, the only other actor that I care about in the film, Dick Miller. He's no, bad. Dick Miller. He's there for like two seconds. Yep, he's the police chief. Uh, you know, I know, it's been a long time since I saw this movie. I remember him being in it a lot more, but maybe I'm thinking of another Dick Miller movie. Maybe I thought he was the dad. But he just reason. stands out because he's Dick Miller. Yeah, like, man, I love that. I love that Dick my, Miller movie. My eyes just find Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. He did improvise the following line, though. Those Ramones are ugly, ugly people. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like when uh, they, they have to... PJ Souls has to work really hard to sell Joey Ramone as a sex symbol. He's like a poem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joey Ramone does have like a lot of like uh, charisma and stage presence and stuff, but that's like only when he's performing. Yeah, I honestly feel like you can always... You can tell he is bothered by his teeth. Well, he's uh, super uncomfortable with everything about his body. Yeah. And he's got completely debilitating OCD. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. But originally... Um, also, the KKK stole the baby away. That song is about Johnny Ramone stealing his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no shit it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Johnny Ramone's um, a super right-wing conservative asshole. We'll get into more about the politics of Ramone, too, and how they are decidedly not punk. Uh, originally, Todd Rundgren was to star as a musical act. Who the fuck is Todd Rundgren? I don't know. What what are his hits? Ah, God damn it. <clears throat> it looks like nothing I know. Yeah, that's the thing is I tried to figure him out too. And I'm usually I'd say I'm pretty well versed in musical history from like the fifties onwards. And Todd Rundgren, like the name sounds familiar, but I was like, I don't know any of these songs. So I think he must have been a flash in the pan, seventies guys or so, seventy guy or something. Like, yeah, we're gonna get him. But hey, um, there's probably there's got to be a ton of people out there like who the fuck are the Ramones? Yeah, that's true. But nowadays though, everyone knows who the fucking Ramones are. Only because of the fucking shirt. <laughs> yeah, but fucking that works, man. Shout out to our, <laughs> Arturo Vega, the fifth Ramon. He did it. Yeah, he's the only one that made him immortal. Yeah, that and maybe Blitzkrieg Bop. Blitzkrieg Bop. Seems more like uh, everyone. Yeah, I want to be sedated. Let's creep up and Sheena is a punk. Uh, also, they uh, they couldn't come to a deal with Todd Rundgren. I guess he was doing too, much. too well, doing too well in the seventies or something. And then uh, next they tried Cheap Trick, but that didn't work out either. And I do know who Cheap Trick is. They have a song called "He's a Whore," which is, I mean, not a very good song, but the punk band fronted by Steve Albini, Big Black did a cover of He's a Whore. That's amazing. So everyone go check that out. Listen to He's a Whore by Big Black.
Christopher Big Black Boinkin? No, just Big Black. <laughs> oh, sorry. And then after that, talks were conducted with Warner Bros. Records, where Alan Arkush had a connection to decide on which band they should use in the film. First suggestion, Devo. <laughs> what? Yeah, then Arkush said, uh, nah, they're, they have a little bit too much of their own like uh, concepts. You know, There's no shows. way Devo would have done this. <laughs> a little concept band. Devo appears in Neil Young's only directorial film. Yeah, it's Neil Young's <laughs> It's also one of the weirdest movies of all time. We might watch it eventually. Another band considered for the movie, Van Halen. Oh my god, I'm surprised yeah. they turned it down. Uh, no, Warner execs uh, actually kind of shot it down because they were worried that Van Halen were a little bit too raucous and uh, difficult to handle. And then, uh, so <laughs> finally, they uh, they were like, oh, we got the Ramones because the Ramones recorded for Sire Records, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. And then Arkush, the director, is actually a fan of the Ramones. So he's like, oh, hell yeah, we can do the Ramones. And to this day, Todd Rundgren regrets passing up the role he was offered. Which is like I my that's he saw I, rock and roll high school. He's like, man, I should have fucking did it. That's what I mean. I think his his I don't think his career did very well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this, like well, that's one thing you can say for the Ramones, right? Like every Ramones fan has probably seen this fucking movie. Oh yeah, man, it's the Ramones. You check it out. When you first get into punk rock, you learn about the Ramones. You learn that they did like a fucking Hard Day's Night type of movie, and you're like, <laughs> all right, I'll check it out. And then you watch Straight to Hell. Uh, Alan Arkish tried for several years to get the film produced under various rough draft titles. The This also goes into them working, trying to figure out different bands to put in it. So some of the titles reflect who was going to be in the movie. But uh, High School Spirit of 76, Heavy Metal Kids. I'm guessing that would have been the Van Halen one. Oh, yeah. Girls Gym. That might have been Van Halen one, too. <laughs> Hot Cali- Teachers, probably. Yeah. <laughs> California Girls might have been Van Halen. <laughs> and Disco High. Which, um, Diva? Uh, yeah, I guess. She's Drick, I guess. Tivo, uh, uh, I don't think they're Diva. I don't know no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the disco- yeah, for a second, the Bee Gees were attached to this. Yeah, uh, the Disco High was uh, Roger Corman's idea. So, I mean, which makes sense because he's out of touch. You know, <laughs> I mean? 1979, Disco yeah. High? Ugh. Disco is just taking off, man. <laughs> it's good. Disco's going to live forever. Uh, so you, you I mean, caught- obviously like the some of the like the the story was based around like the band themselves and like what, what kind of work with the band. I'm kind of curious what they would do for like a Van Halen. Same story, shit, movie. except for um, the scene in her bedroom would have been like way more predatory, I think. Yeah, and less like kind of cute. Cute, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's already weird, but yeah. at least it's kind of like yeah, the rooms aren't very threatening. You know what I mean? <laughs> not yet anyways wait till we get to the end of this one uh, did you catch a little romantic theme song heard under the credits uh, starring uh, sung by a little guy that you like a little Paul McCartney fellow a little, a little fellow named Paul McCartney Paul McCartney and Wings yeah so it's a song called Did We Meet Somewhere Before uh, it was originally written and recorded for the film Heaven Can Wait but Warren Beatty decided not to use it and then Alan Arkush was able to secure a deal where he was able to use the song for only $500, but McCartney um, insisted that he did not receive any screen credit because Paul McCartney hates the remotes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, you can have $500. Don't put my name anywhere on that trash. <laughs> he had seen Deathstalker as a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Corman, huh? <laughs> I'm familiar with that Goomba. 
That's how Paul McCartney talks, right? He's from New York. <laughs> He's from New York. Hey, hey, what's going hey. on? Uh, this, is the, this is a hot day's night out of here, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's why he doesn't like the Ramones. They have a New York rivalry. Uh, D.D. Ramone, such a bad actor that his lines were cut from seven down to two. Uh, and I can't even think of the thing he says in the damn movie. He's, he's got two lines, and they're basically it's one's basically a variation of the other one. It was great. So after the uh, concert at the Roxy, when they're in the dressing room, he goes, "Hey, pizza!" Oh yeah. <laughs> and then later on, um, when they're at school, he goes, "Hey, pizza! It's great. Let's dig in." <laughs> so basically, it's the same line twice. He's, he adds a little bit more to it. He really sells the pizza in the second one. It's great. Pizza's great. You know, they really fucked up the rule of three. You should have done that a third time. <laughs> yeah, was, right at the end of the know. movie, you could have walked past the, the principal in her, like, her straight jacket bumbling to herself. Like, oh, pizza, I'm going to go eat that shit real good. The Ramones were paid a total of $25,000 for appearing in the film. That might be the most they've ever made from a single project, so. Yeah, but they still had to play shows in the Southern California area to help pay for their hotel bills and shit during the 21-day <laughs> shoot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, during that time period, Didi Ramon got arrested for fighting with the roadie. Uh, he somehow was able to overdose in jail <laughs> and then wound up in Cedar Sinai Hospital with a $3,000 medical bill. So yeah. $25,000 is not going to swing it when Didi's around. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's got that side hustle. Selling drugs and prostitution? That's the one or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a little bit like Roger Corman himself. A little bit more street level, but you know. Yeah, no, he's more like, mm, he's like more of a tragic figure than Roger Corman. He really is. We'll talk about that later, especially about some of his political beliefs and how it may have affected his inability to express his sexuality. It's kind of sad. Uh, also, uh, I, he's like one of the, the, maybe the biggest creative force behind the Ramones. Yeah, he wrote most of their songs. A lot of people don't seem to realize that. It's mostly Dee Dee, Joey just sang. And Johnny uh, kind of played guitar, but... <laughs> Well, yeah. we a lot of bar chords. Yeah, I, that's the thing is like Dee, Dee could play guitar as well as Johnny, so <laughs> pretty sure he did a lot of the guitar stuff too. Um, so the on-screen concert at the Roxy and also at the school, attended by actual Ramones fans, whose uncontrollable raucous behavior terrified the lead PJ Souls. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, actual punk rockers." <laughs> uh, and at that concert at the Roxy, guess who you can see in the very front? Right in front of the Ramones, right in front of the stage. It's Paul McCartney. Oh, that'd be crazy if he was there. Nah, it's Darby Crash from the Germs. So that's cool. Some of the Los Angeles punk band, the Germs. Darby Crash. Yep, him and Pat Smear, Lauren yeah, Doom. Uh, you can tell I'm getting old because all my everything starts blending together. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, so the Ramones existed and then Sex Pistols happened. Now the truth Where is... Where were the Clash in there? The uh, best thing about the Ramones, best best thing the Ramones ever did for punk is they toured so much and they toured everywhere, especially in the early years. It was like every city they went to, five punk bands sprung from like their shows. Like they would go play Los Angeles, and so you get fucking the Germs and Black Flag and all the, like all these bands coming out of it. So um, I'm not a particularly and huge it's, uh, fan it's of It's basically Ramones. died in the last you know five or six years. So. What, local punk scenes? Basically. No, they're still thriving in certain areas. It's just, like, not ever going to be the same, you know? But, yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of the Ramones myself personally, but I do appreciate everything they did with creating all the other bands that I am fans of. Like, Dead Candies don't exist without the Ramones, you know, shit like that. Hmm. I still like the Ramones. 
Uh, like, there's one summer I listened to that that compilation, like Strange Tales from the Ramones, for like I don't know six months straight. That's the thing. It started at the I, beginning of summer and didn't stop until Christmas. Yeah, I, I like the Ramones, but it is just like um, summertime, feel good pop music. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not exactly what I what I like about punk, but I appreciate everything they did for punk. Uh, the motorcycle ridden by the hall monitors was a death machine from the film Dustport, which was produced by Roger Corman. Gotta save that money. Oh, I think he directed it too. But yeah, he he held on to props like crazy. It's fucking all he did is just fucking save money. All right. So, uh, what did you think of the the um, humanoid mice showing up? I like the first one at the concert, but then I don't like the mother mice at the end. I think they should just stuck with the first one at the concert. Yeah, I think I think they're over overplaying it. I really like the the um, prosthetics, uh, like the actual like costume, but. I don't. I don't think you needed the, like the mama mice. Plus, then it makes you feel sad when the mice get blown up. <laughs> also, the scene where there she's talking about the science she's doing on the mice, and she's just holding that mouse by the tail for like so long. I know the entire time, like that mice is not having a good time. Yeah, they're like torturing that mouse forever. But I, maybe that was before. Um, People cared. The ASPCA had to be on set or whatever. <laughs> like, well, oh, it was Wolf and last week. They're like, all right, well, we got these wolves. If they get out of control, just fucking shoot them. Yeah, it was fucking. We brought in these wild wolves. Um, they have no idea where they're at, but you know, if they do anything crazy, shoot them. Fuck them. Yeah, they're used to the forest and shit. So you know, but, I mean, this this office building is probably fine. Wait, man, it's the urban jungle. They know what it is. They're wolves. basically dogs. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. We got some trash they can eat. Let's talk about Eagle Bauer a little bit more. Clint Howard's character. Love him to death. Love Clint Howard. Amazing oh, actor. Great everything. He's been in a lot of like fun horror movies. He's been in uh, every single one of his brother's movies. Everyone loves Clint Howard. What? Is he supposed to be a student? Or is he... Yeah, he's supposed to be a student. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think he, they even introduced him as a senior. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I want to say they do. I mean... Obviously, then the uh, it's it's hard in all these movies you can never tell if they're unless they specifically say yeah because like the freshman in this movie could be 27 years old well the guy that they have that plays the freshman that everyone keeps being like he's pranking or whatever he looks like he's 30 years old so he let me if we can i don't know <laughs> like you clint howard's giving him a rough time but he's got a good three inches on clint howard yeah but um, so does that mean that Eagle Bauer is the template for like all the like cool high yeah. school senior movies that are gonna come along in like the nineties and shit? Like whatever you know, Ryan Reynolds got started doing whatever that fucking yeah, shit like Van Wilder shit. Yeah, that shit. That Eagle Bauer is the template for that, right? Yeah, be. I mean, sort of. I don't think it's necessarily Eagle Bauer specifically because I think there's a couple guys around this time period that came out on the same like with the same Dylan, idea. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think like Eagle Bauer, maybe like two or three other characters are. Are definitely the template for the the Van Wilders of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting sort of dynamic, or maybe even depth to the character of Eagle Bauer is even though he seems to be running shit or whatever, when he gets wrapped up with the white bread football football loser guy later on, uh, he's like psyched to like hang out with girls too. So he's also still kind of a little bit of a loser, <laughs> right? Well, not only that too, but he's also like kind of like ends up being like kind of a good guy too. I don't know. It's like there's a weird re- re- relationship. Well, I think Eagle Bauer's plan was to get football get guy together. and um, Kate Rambeau together. And right. he's like, yeah, yeah, Riff Randall, sure, whatever, you idiot. 
But uh, he is also just like psyched to like hang out in that van and get drunk and take advantage of girls. So, but I mean, I mean that's a cool van. That's seventy nine. I fucking <laughs> love that Warlock van. <laughs> I w- I I'm telling look. you, if I if I if I ever get rich enough to not have to give a fuck, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a panel van, and I'm gonna have someone airbrush the side of it with something crazy. It's gonna be a fucking Conan the Barbarian mural version of my family. I'm gonna ride a tiger or some shit. No, I'm fucking. I don't even need to get rich enough to like not care. I'm gonna live in a van like that as soon as well, I get the, the thing. Fun. I have a family because I gotta. I gotta provide for them. So yeah, but I gotta, give, I gotta play the game a little bit. Not me. I'm gonna. I know. What are you doing? <laughs> as soon as I get the money, I'm getting a van like that. My mural's gonna be like Barbarella. <laughs> Barbarian women everywhere. Yeah, it's gonna be tight. Get it right. Get it right. Booty tight. Be living in there. Watching the internet on my 24-inch <laughs> TV. I'll have a waterbed. You can probably get a 32-inch in there. I still have a waterbed, even though that shit's hell out of style. I don't care. It's my <laughs> sex van. Every sex every van. sex van has a waterbed. Hell yeah, and then like a mirror ball that descends from the ceiling. <laughs> from somewhere. And then, boom, right when you know, you're starting to feel excited from the old English 40s we've been drinking. Papa's rodeo comes on, gets you in the mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when the mirror ball descends. Um, and yeah, let's talk about shitty uh, fucking football guy. I wish this story wasn't in the movie at all. I don't care about that dude at all. I gotta fill. I gotta have a story. And I gotta fill up time. I like, guess. I mean, it's just really loose. Everything is just kind of cobbled together. Yeah, it's there. Which is kind of a problem with a lot of movies we watch, but. Yeah, there's, well, they're just really like beat bopping their way through this one. You know what I mean? You know, like Roger Corman. Yeah, but they're beat bopping like, it like like uh, uh, Riff does. You know, kind yeah. of rhythmlessly, <laughs> rhythmlessly, rhythmlessly. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't like the, so the football guy. I don't think he needs to be in the movie. I don't care about his story one bit, except for his cool ass van. Yeah, and I don't. I, his story is just not important. It's just doesn't matter. We don't even really need Kate Rambo. Really, she just be. You know, PJ, she's be Riff's friend a little bit. Just all the friend stuff in it. We don't need the, the side story of her and football chump. How do you fill up the... the? Because now this movie is 50 minutes long. So what do you do with... <laughs> you just let it be 50 minutes. Let it ride. <laughs> you just need. roll it again. Roll it again. Yeah, that's all the kids need. You just, yeah, double feature that shit with like prom night. <laughs> the movie prom night, not like on prom night. <laughs> Well, yeah, why not, man? Who cares? It's 79. There are no rules. 50 minutes. Feature length. Man, just pat it out with more performances. Get another band in there. Have the germs in it. <laughs> they yeah, did pat it out. There's already about 20 minutes of performances in it. Yeah, I don't think you could have the germs in it, though. <laughs> Riff Randall, what do you think? As far as? She's cool, right? She's the coolest girl in school. No, I think the uh, one of her bland friends that has no personality is the coolest girl in school. There's only she <laughs> hate her only people with any personality. Yeah, I mean Eddie was, and, and yeah. Well, um, so uh, I hate the clothes she wears because Kate or Riff Riff Randall. Because I thought you um, said she had a cool style two seconds ago. I mean, it's cool for what it is, but I hate that. Uh, well, first of all, I hate that the budget was so shitty that she just had to buy them herself. That fucking right. And also, it's not like really like a. She doesn't look right to me. <laughs> she doesn't look punk. She looks like that '80s shit where people didn't, who didn't understand punk were like, I don't know, put like extra socks on or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, just put put some paper clips in it. <laughs> yeah. So like that bothers me about it, but 
I do appreciate that she just kind of brought her own style into it. And I guess she's not specifically supposed to be punk anyway. She just loves rock and roll. And, uh, you know, Sage Real, the Ramones, they're, they're basically, that's rock and roll, right? Yeah. Just sucking power cords and having a good time. God gave rock and roll to you. God gave rock and roll to everyone. No, I believe it was Black Americans. <laughs> and then Elvis took it. <laughs> you know, touche. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, can I, since the, every time I think of a song, I, I think of it. How are they going to make a sequel to Bill and Ted's based on the ending of Bill and Ted 2? Have you ever talked about this? No, we haven't. But yeah, they at the end of it is them with their um, babies and they're like rock gods and like the world's a utopia, right? Right. Huh. I guess something else goes wrong in the timeline. They have to go back and fix it. It'd be nice to see them as like rock and roll kings. (laughs) I'm sure that's what they're going to do. But the big problem is George Carlin's dead. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I want to see a movie like George Carlin. Well, who's going to come back to the future and tell them they need to do a thing? I hope they replace him with Rip Torn. Wait, is Rip Torn dead? I think Rip Torn died like a year ago, didn't he? A couple years ago. Ah, <laughs> goddamn it. <laughs> damn, we can't even Rip Torn yeah, Fucking death won't stop me from being in a goddamn movie. Maybe Laura Dern, because her name kind of rhymes with Rip Torn, like a <laughs> slant rhyme. Maybe Brewster. <laughs> oh, wait, did he die too? How are they? Gonna, I, I, I'm excited to see. I was. I didn't you know, it's going gonna, it. gonna to be. Um, what's. Uh, uh, I don't know. I got nobody. Yeah, I didn't care about the um, the new Bill and Ted sequel at all until just now, and I was like, "Wait a minute, how are they gonna do stuff?" Now I'm I'm curious. What could it be? It's like a Marvel movie. Damn, how are they gonna get Ant Man in it? Oh, just <laughs> he'll just have his own movie and show up. Okay. Uh, my the thing I like about uh, Riff Randall is she's the only level headed uh, student at that school. Um. So there's a scene where Kate's like, we can't, I have to oh, do yeah. a science project or whatever. And she's like, school, fucking high school is not going to matter in like six months. You really going to miss the Ramones so you can do some fucking high school bullshit? Well, no, no. I mean, like to, to extreme sense, she's right. Like one day, three days, honestly, like two weeks are not going to matter. But like if you don't graduate high school, that shit will matter in six years. I mean, you can get your GED, but it's still going to affect you and, and shit. Yeah, but fucking, she's talking about missing like... No, no, she's absolutely right about that. Like, fucking just go to the Ramones. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I mean, little did she know at the time that the Ramones would continue touring all over the place nonstop until 1996, so there'd be plenty of times to see the Ramones again. But, you know, (laughs) she didn't know that in 79, all right? Uh, I was that also made me think while I was watching it, like how I could never have kids. Probably mostly because of the emotional problems I have, and I probably not want to pass them on and stuff. But, um, also, because it would be really hard for me, because I know it's important. You gotta, it's not like really important uh, to the to your your psyche or your soul, so to speak. But it is important for your child to be able to succeed in society in some way, and that would require me to tell my kids a lot of bullshit that I don't actually believe. You know, what well, I mean? I mean, like I don't know. It's like I'm talking, I think I've mentioned this on the the podcast before, but like I try to keep everything in perspective. You know, and I know that sounds weird, but. Like you just gotta explain to kids, like, yeah, this shit is kind of bullshit sometimes. But if you want to make it, you gotta you gotta play the game sometimes, and it yeah. fucking sucks. And I mean, the reality you can have too much perspective because the fucking reality of it is none of this really fucking matters. And five years after I'm dead, it won't matter a goddamn thing what I did, really. Well, yeah, that's probably you take unless like I'm like a, a really fucking yeah, but the very macro level, right? Right. Where it's like, no, there is no purpose to anything. Yeah. 
Like, I was just thinking more like if my kid was like, hey, can I just skip school for like a week to wait in line to get tickets to go see fucking whatever? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd be like, like fucking, eh. it's 2020, <laughs> motherfucker. Buy them online. You can skip the day of the concert. <laughs> well, I was thinking, yeah, this is uh, after the uh, fall of Western civilization. We don't have the internet. I don't, know, I don't, I don't think we got to worry about concerts. <laughs> hey, can I go down to the, the fighting pits to see Glackenar take on? <laughs> yeah. The sure. Bloody Baron? <laughs> Uh, that school's all propaganda, anyways. <laughs> no, literally, it will be propaganda. Yeah, it'll just straight be propaganda. Little fucking Nazi empire. Well, I mean, it's kind of uh, propagandizing now, but it'll be future. propaganda. Superman goes to sleep for 100 years. He wakes up, and the Nazis are taking over. How, how could this be? Well, we're seeing it right now. But <laughs> fascism can creep in quick. Speaking of fascism creeping in quick, let's talk about the sequel 1991, Rock and Roll High School Forever. Those rambunctious kids are back in school and back in trouble in a smash sequel to the 1978 worldwide hit. Also, I've never heard this. Uh, I'm pulling it, was, it right now. It was 79, and I don't think it was a hit. No. But Corey Feldman leads a rock and roll rally at Ronald Reagan High. I like that they called it Ronald Reagan High this time. Oh, like the Ramones are not associated with this at all? Oh, no. He must triumph over the evil plans of the school's fascist principal, Vader. Who wants to hold the school dance? Wait, is it Big Van Vader? Person. Well, it's V A D A R. Maybe it's Vidar. Oh, well, damn! Yeah, you got me excited for a second. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch this movie. No, no, no. This is straight to video. It's trial. time! It's time! It's Vader time! Oh no! The principal Vader is pra- played by the um, same lady who did Togar, but just for some reason playing a different character. Hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously she went crazy, uh, escaped the mental institution, and had to change her name. I mean that makes sense. None of the characters refer to it, refer to her that way, or make any mention of it. But you know, obviously, because they don't know. It's a well, uh, Eagle Bowers there. Oh God, Eagle Bowers there. Is well, it Clint Howard back? It's not Clint Howard though. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, she's the only one who returned, but they did have some returning characters just played. Well, I would, then I'm in my head. That's going to be Eagle Bower the second, Eagle Bower's son. Uh, yeah, so this is straight to video. This is the Twilight of Corey Feldman's career, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's all—it's been all Twilight since then. <laughs> no, when is he releasing that documentary about the Hollywood pedophiles? Oh yeah, it's a sad one. It is. Let's not joke about it any further. Uh, unlike the first movie, this film has no music by the Ramones, but it does feature many Ramones posters hidden throughout the movie, and the song "Cut Me to Pieces," which was co-performed by Dee Dee Ramone. I mean. <laughs> And then you can oh, yeah. get one of Didi's rap hits. King Didi, all right? <laughs> Don't forget it. So what do you think? I like Rock and Roll High School. It's a fun movie to watch. It's not a good movie, but it's fun. No, it's fun. 100%. I wasn't, I wasn't surprising to walk. I wasn't expecting to walk away with a little bit of a crush on PJ Souls. But I, I mean, I had a little bit for a hot second. And then as soon as I saw her dancing around, I'm like, oh, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, it does kind of ruin it. But the scene in her bedroom is cool. Um, my favorite part of it is not her in her underwear. It's uh, when she opens the shower and Dee's in there just getting showered on. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> my favorite part is like when the Ramones show up at the concert venue for some reason, and they're like rolling they up and they're, <laughs> they're in the back of the car playing the drums. And yeah, he's, he's eating a fucking turkey leg for some fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, oh man, the line has a the sign. Oh, there's a line in the song about a chicken leg. Yeah, because I mean, there's sort of rowdy and <laughs> rambunctious boys, you know. <laughs> I love it. I think it's cute. But it's just like, oh, I love waiting in line and the band performs in the line for everyone. 
that that's happened so many times to me. Yeah, I met a uh, fucking Doom Tree in line to see Doom Tree. <laughs> that's weird. But, yeah, I don't particularly like Doom Tree. I just went with friends. I don't want to be one of those guys, but I don't know if I like it when white people rap. Yeah, except for Mac Miller. Should rest in peace, Mac Miller. I do like Mac Miller. I still like the Beastie Boys. Oh, uh, Beastie Boys are cool. They're also like they're day ones, you know. Let's talk about the Ramones now that we've sufficiently talked about how good Rock and Roll High School is. It's worth watching. I mean, you're in quarantine right now. You ain't got shit to do. You want to watch something fun? Rock and Roll High School. PJ Souls is QT 3.14. The Ramones are goofy. Um, it's got mouse people in it. Uh, I don't know. It's like fucking Grease, but... Uh, it's like a weird, not quite <laughs> very good Roger Waters movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, if like you could, I, I feel like you could double feature this with Hairspray. Well, maybe not Hairspray. That's fucking something, the, something not as good as Hairspray. <laughs> the original Hairspray that John Waters made, I think the like the production value is like on it's like on the same. Yeah, part. I guess that's true. Hairspray is, of course, going to end up being a better movie and a better musical. I feel but, like if it's better with like Crybaby. No, I, the, I just feel well, like the, maybe you're right. Hairspray does have this. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I just feel like Crybaby or um, Hairspray and Rock and Roll High School have uh, they're closer together in um, when they were produced and closer together in like budget production value. Yeah, yeah so true. they'll they'll like have like a visual um, similarity that will fit. I don't know. I guess you could do Crybaby. You could do Hairspray, then um, Rock and Roll High School, then Crybaby. There you go. I just planned your Saturday night for you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Do acid. Yeah, and do acid and, with John Waters if you can. I don't know if he hangs out with people anymore. He seems like he's kind of reclusive in his old age. Yeah, that's, how, that's my plan too. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, he is quite a man. I think I mentioned before, like, uh, he's like one of the pillars of masculinity to me. Masculinity to me is John Waters. Uh, but the Ramones, like I said, not a very punk, punk band. Uh, Joey's seems likely to be the only uh, member of the band that was left wing. Um, probably aside from Arturo Vega, who is the fifth Ramon, he did like all their art design and stuff. He like kind of took care of Joey and Didi back in the day. Uh, Johnny Ramon is a bitch. I fucking hate Johnny Ramon. Everyone hates Johnny Ramon. Yeah. Um, Tommy doesn't seem as outright. Except for his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Joey's Joey's girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, Tommy doesn't seem to be out and out as like crazy, like evil as Johnny is, but he does seem to just be a businessman, which not not punk, not punk. And then Dee Dee is also supposedly weirdly conservative, despite being a junkie and probably maybe gay, uh, bisexual for sure. So if you read the lyrics to Fifty Third and Third, which is about him, yeah, trying to turn tricks. Um, then there's immediately the part where he's like, then I turned, took out my razor blade and he killed the guy. He was the John and to prove he wasn't a sissy. Right. And then so like, that's a, a thread that goes throughout most of Dee's life where he'll sleep with men, sleep with women. Um, a lot of people just assume it's because of oh, a junkie lifestyle, blah, blah. I think it's probably because he's bisexual, but obviously the time period where he came from, where he grew up, all that sort of stuff is not something he could ever admit. And then, one of his final interviews a couple months before he died of heroin overdose uh he basically like said he felt like he wasted his life so i think that might have something to do with it and also you know drug use for his entire adult life 
So Dee's a little bit of a sad character. I still love Dee Dee. Dee's probably my favorite Ramon. Um, even if he's maybe weirdly conservative, he didn't ever express any like super crazy opinions. He just. I mean, as long as you keep your weird conservatism to yourself, I can kind of be okay with you. Yeah, as long as you don't use it as a weapon against other people, then all right, cool. I'm not going to police your thoughts, I guess. Just, you know, keep them to yourself. Don't bother other people with them. You, you've uh, you mentioned a couple of Ramones. What do you, how do you feel about Richie Ramone, though? <laughs> or what are the, like, the fucking rotating members I had after that? Oh, so Marky Ramone's the only other member of the Ramones I consider really a member of the Ramones, their second drummer. He's all right. He's in the Voidoids. Um, he's like a little bit more like actually street New York City kid. So that's cool. Um, he had problems with Joey. So that sucks. Um, he seems like he might have been like a little fucking stuck up conservative like Piss Baby too. But haven't heard too many terrible things about Marky. And then, uh, yeah, the other CJ, the guy that replaced DD. Fuck that guy. No one can replace DD. <laughs> yeah. What is he? Richie, right? Yeah, I don't know. He he was. That was another one too. I don't remember his name, but yeah, they had different drummers. But I don't. Only Tommy and Marky count. I think the Ramones have this image, especially back when they first came out. Like one of the stories is when uh, the Sex Pistols, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten, first went to see Ramones in England. Uh, he asked to meet the bands, and he was worried that they're going to beat him up because the Ramones had this image like they're a tough gang from the Bowery or the Bronx. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure the English would probably, that might be the image they have too. A lot of people from New York. Yeah, but the thing is, like, uh, the fucking certain members of the Clash and Sex Pistols, like the fucking working class street kids, yeah, were in it. Like they were way tougher than the Ramones. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> but um. Let's. What are you talking about? Uh, like a suburbs of Queens, aren't that? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the Forest Hills Queens. Um, I just chose like a very specific, uh, some relative to the time period to give you like kind of a portrait of what Forest Hills Queens is about to dismiss any myth of the Ramones being tough street kids, <laughs> and also, um, I I think. Uh, well, I appreciate the Ramones stopping in every city and creating punk bands in their wake. I think punk got a lot better when it got into the hands of like working class Californians and shit. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, nuke HB. <laughs> Let's yeah. see what he has to say. Who? Uh, Dwayne Peters. Dwayne Peters. Oh, <laughs> uh, he um what, he uh, thinks Timothy McVeigh was framed now. <laughs> yeah, well you know his, you either uh, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain well the thing with Dwayne Peters is you, he's been um, a, a drug addict his entire life right and then he cleaned himself up for a few years and then his uh, son died yeah, really I think we young. talked about this <laughs> this is a depressing episode he he, happy Easter everyone and he completely fell apart and I think that's where he's at now which I mean I, I, I don't know I feel bad for him more than anything but uh, Forest Hills, Queens, 1972. Broken glass. <laughs> now nah, Forest Hills, Queens. Broken glass everywhere. <laughs> Forest Hills, Queens is a wealthy white suburb, apparently. Uh, 72. Residents protested against Forest Hills Houses, a proposed public housing development with three 24-story buildings at 62nd Drive and 108th Street. Middle-class residents believe the public housing would depreciate the community's quality of life because poor residents would move into the housing. Advocates for the project accurately accuse residents of racism since the proposed development's residents would be mostly people of minority races. So, there you go. That's the kind of place Forest Hills is. It's, um, it's keep the it Staten white. Island of Queens. Yeah. 
Uh, Mayor John Lindsay garnered significant opposition due to his controversy surrounding Forest Hills houses. And that hero of New York, the greatest dynasty to ever grace New York. Here we go. The patriarch himself, Mario Como, a lawyer and the future governor of New York, was assigned to mediate the dispute. And luckily, he successfully succeeded in having the size of the project. Como's rule. Well, I mean, everybody got what they wanted, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think I just like the way it's written, where he succeeded in completely having the project, <laughs> which you know goes along with uh, the Cuomo's rule over New York for the entire dynasty. Looking good on TV while cutting Medicaid. Take that coronavirus. <laughs> that man should be president. He seems good on TV. That's basically all it takes. Yeah. I don't know if you pay attention to fucking American history. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate it. This is, we talk about on the podcast all the time. I hate it. I uh, mean, honestly, why, it's just fucking. That's the that's people. I don't know how you fucking change that. But how, I don't know. monkeys are like, ooh, ooh, look at the other monkey. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna keep complaining about it though. I don't got anything. Else I know. I, I, I don't about blame it. you. I'm just like, fuck. I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just tell more. I just, you just need to. We, what the problem is, we just need to get a, the right monkey up there, the right charming monkey. Yeah, we just we need a tricky one, a real clever one, a real clever politician who supports my views. Vermin Supreme. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm gonna call him a clever politician. His satire is pretty good, I guess, but it's not gonna work with like the general public. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Now, uh, one interesting thing I want to point about, I point out about the Ramones, um, is um, it's probably just coincidence. But so Joey died from lymphoma. Oh, yeah, um, the cancer thing. Yeah, Johnny died from prostate cancer. Arturo Vega also died from cancer. And was uh, Arturo Vega also from Forest Hills, Queens? It's from around the same area. Yeah. What's the cancer rate in that area? And Tommy from bile duct cancer. That's what I was thinking. Is like, what was going on there that so many people got cancer? Uh, Dee died from heroin overdose, but presumably cancer probably would have got him. <laughs> it was a race between heroin and cancer. Mm-hmm. Heroin always wins. I think he. Um, I think he might have wanted to die. If you read uh, the book he wrote, the Chelsea Horror Hotel, mm-hmm. where he meets with like dead punk rockers and stuff like that, and tries to score heroin, seems like he's kind of on his uh, way out. Yeah, he's kind of done. And then, like I said, that last interview before his death, where he's just. I'll bring that up again because D. Ramon was like, you know, I was in a band. We didn't. It was a rock and roll band. It is what it is. I feel like my life was a waste. What I want to bring up is, uh, so when I was a kid, um, I was pretty weird. That, but it was like cute at the time, right? Because it was just, ah, oh, everyone in my family knows I'm weird. It's cool. It's okay to be weird. No big deal. But then when I started to get, you know, adolescence, like 12, 13 or so, which is a hard time for everyone, uh, I kind of realized, like, oh, I'm weird, weird. Like, people don't understand me. And uh, it was starting to cause problems for me emotionally. Like, I was having trouble with it. But thanks to punk rock, not specifically the Ramones, but more like Rancid, AFI, The Clash, um, like the early punk bands I was getting into, I was able to turn it around where it was like, nah, I'm not. I'm not bad because I'm weird. It's actually you people who operate in a normative behavior are actually uncool. Like if you want to be cool, you have to be like me. If you want to come in, you have to come into my world 
to under, to like understand it and to be cool. So I was able to turn it around. I guess it's like sort of egotistical behavior. <clears throat> and I yeah, but it's also like a way of protecting yourself too. Yeah, and I still, world. So I like, still I mean like it's not necessarily the I don't know if it's the best coping mechanism, but like it's not the worst one either. Yeah, but so that was my coping coping mechanism at the time. And I still perpetuate it now. Now I just happen to have more um philosophy and uh, political understanding and nuance to it. Like my understanding of it is different now. It's more of intellectualized of why I think being part of the norm is a negative and be, it can be uh, dangerous when it comes to groupthink and all sorts of things like that. But it was a coping mechanism that I developed and uh, punk rock, punk rock helped me do it. I'm going to say probably saved my life. I don't know how bad it would have gotten in high school if I didn't have punk rock. So with that said, Fuck we you. got into reggae. <laughs> no, I doubt that. With that said, <laughs> fuck you, Didi Ramon. Rest in power. The Ramones are great. Thank you for existing. Thanks for creating punk rock. Your life wasn't a waste, man. Um, yeah, I guess mostly I was just uh, stating the importance of punk rock to me. Right. And then uh, over, as I became an adult and I got older, I developed like other mechanisms to... Um, sort of sanitize my personality so I could fit in at jobs and shit and I'm pretty good at that. But whatever, it all worked out for me. Um and then uh, I hope I, not. <laughs> and then I don't know, I'd like to think now that uh thanks to punk rock and my initial like attitudes about um what is cool and defining your own uh idea of cool and accepting yourself and that sort of thing. I think it led to me being a very charismatic person now, or so I'd like to believe. I mean I honestly think that's important for anybody to develop their own sense of what, you know, what, I don't know, I don't know if cool's the right word, but like, you know, what, what's important to them, what's cool, what they care about and not yeah. worry so much about what everybody else is interested in or mm-hmm. even if they think you're weird or hate your shit, just like, fuck it. Yeah, that's absolutely not my mentality now, but I just, I, you know, 12 or 13 as an adolescent, which like I said, that's a tough time for anyone. No, but I mean, I, I do think that's like, you, that's kind of an important, like, trait to have a little bit you know to develop it a little bit to not care about if people don't like the shit you're into oh yeah i'm just glad i developed it like as early as i did right i mean I hope, lots of people everybody gets to lovely most people get to that point i think it just seems that from anecdotal evidence it just seems to take longer i'm just glad that there was like an outside influence punk rock specifically that came along and i was able to absorb it and understand it at the um like a, a low enough level or I guess not even low level, uh, like a um, organic level and intrinsic level, where I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! It doesn't matter what other people say. I'll just do what I want." And they have to like, if they want to like, people have to like come in. They have to approach me and like come to my world. <laughs> right? Like you're like a vampire. Well, it still is kind of the case, honestly. Like I said, I can get along very well publicly. I'm a good public speaker and all this shit now. But like, there's not very many people that actually know me. You know what I mean? That's about it. And dogs. It worked great for me, like, in my 20s when I was, like, partying and, like, had loose morals and stuff. But, like, the older <laughs> I've gotten is, like, uh, the less I'm interested in, uh, in like, meaningless sex and stuff. And so, like, now I just want to have, like, um, committed partners and stuff like that. But on the, the flip side of it is it's, like, gotten even harder for me to open up and be close to people. So it's like a double-edged sword. We're like, I don't ever meet anyone or want to open up to anyone. So 
Now I'll just be alone forever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After this quarantine gets up, you need to join like a like a weird thing, like a, like a reading group or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> another problem too. Is that as older I've gotten, the less and less and less I've cared about what other people think is cool and good, and it's all just about like what's interesting to me. So now I have like a really weird set of interests. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of diverse set of interests, like generally, like, but I, like my media interests are very specific. Like I don't really watch a lot of movies. I don't, I don't watch TV shows at all unless like my kids are watching it or my wife is like, there's not a TV show that I've sat down purposely to watch. Tiger King. Uh, no, I mean, I watched like his core one or two. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I got, I got into it. Cool. But, yeah. yeah. But I, like, I couldn't, I can't honestly can't think of one I sat down and watched in a long time. Whatever. Fuck it. I got nothing yeah, else to do, but I, you know what I mean. Yeah, like I read a lot, time, and like yeah. it doesn't seem like you can't talk to it. talk to people about books. I <laughs> know <laughs> no one fucking reads. <laughs> I had to join the reading group, yeah. the book club. <laughs> you can't talk to people about books. You crazy? <laughs> you gotta talk about the fucking the new Netflix series. That's I don't know. I started reading The Witcher because of the Netflix series, but <laughs> yeah, but no one cares about the books. <laughs> they only care about that shitty song. There's about a, it's a coin. There's flipping coins, right? You're flipping a coin to him. Well, just like I said, I don't know. That that one didn't get as weird as I thought, but uh, maybe next know. time. There's always next. Time. I, yeah, there's plenty of time for me to descend further and further into hopelessness. It's not even hopelessness. I'm just uh, general hysteria, like ex- extreme yearning. It's like I'm like hungry for something, but I don't know what I want, and I'm thirsty, but I'm not. A, I like there's something I want, and I can't figure out what it is that I want or like how to get it or what's going to fix it. So it's blood. Yeah. And it's like, blood. not, it's not a foreign feeling to me. This is like something animalistic. Like there's a, a, an absolute necessity that I, of so, something that's missing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it's blood. Yeah. It might be blood. Well, my example is going to be like, you know, when you're low on iron and you're like, Oh, I really <laughs> yeah. want like fucking that's what I'm saying, blood. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this blood. Cause like lately I've been like, man, I really need a michelada. <laughs> I need that tomato juice. I need some iron. We have iron deficiency. <laughs> just need some blood. You can drink a little bit. <laughs> you can drink a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. What are we watching next week? Next week we will be watching Violent Cop. Violent Cop. We, yeah, it's a pretty good movie, but mostly it's an excuse for us to learn a lot about Beat Takeshi. Well, that's always a good thing. Yeah, you're you're actually quite familiar with him, and you're not even uh, aware of why. Why? Well, you'll have to wait until next week to find out. Okay. Excited. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a pretty. It's an alright movie. This is not his best, but it'll be fun to talk about. And um, maybe next week I'll be back with some more recommendations of Japanese movies you can watch. But watch our little sister in 37 seconds. Next week they'll be all hentai movies. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what I'll be into next week? <laughs> Who knows how far it'll go? You in Bollywood? You're gonna get into Bollywood shit. Uh, I've been. There's been plenty of times I where try. I've been I like meaning to get into Bollywood, and like I just. I mean, it's like, not eh, my thing. I'm not, not a big fan of like musicals, anyway. So there's too much yeah. singing in it. I'd rather get into Wakaliwood, like the Nigerian action films. I watched <laughs> the a few best, of those. those crazy ones. Yeah, I watched With a few the weird of those. ass uh, special effects. Uh huh. I like those just because they're. That's like. That's the shit I like. I like anything that's like from from the mud, from the dirt. You know what I mean? It's just out of desire to do it. You find a way to do it. Punk rock, Hollywood. That's that shit. 
It's like real shit. Get it out the mud. Just like Kevin Gates said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, oh, yeah, as far as hentai he has goes, returned. I've always, like, I've, there's been tons of times where I've, like, checked out hentai just to see. And it's, it's not for me. I appreciate, like, the art form and what goes into it and stuff, but it's like, nah, not for me. I think mostly the big problem is, like, I'm not really, like, into, like, the rape fetish stuff. And there's a lot of rape in hentai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. So I won't be watching hentai this week, I don't think. Like, as, soon as, I, as soon as I get that Donald Trump check, I'll be having a warlock van. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's going to cost more than that. More than $1,200? I mean, I think, yeah. I think you want it to run. Shit. Well, I don't need it to run. Just <laughs> parking in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I just need it to look good. <laughs> Let's put a hibachi outside. Mm-hmm. Invite some ladies over. PJ Souls. All right, I really have to go. I'm gonna piss my pants. I think. All right, that's it. VHS Colt. Goodbye. Yeah, it's just cool.